MSNBC is really, I mean, it's it's not just MSDNC. It's MS, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is it MS neoliberal? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of something cunning to say. It's beyond MSDNC at this point. MSNBC is literally taking the talking points of Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton. MSNBC is literally an arm of the, not just the corporate Democratic Party, but essentially the Russiagate hysteria complex. And now that, uh, according to Real Clear Politics, which again, I mean, as Status Quo has been covering for a while now, uh, you know, we take the polls, a lot of these polls we take with a grain of salt. A lot of these polls, you know, the, the, um, the sampling is too low. They oversample older voters. They undersample younger voters. But Bernie's surge, uh, he is now back in uh, on real clear politics uh, average of polls, back in second. Uh, you got Biden, according to real clear politics, average of all the national polls, up by 10. Uh, Bernie in second. Warren in third, uh, Buttigieg in a distant fourth. Uh, you got Bernie uh, right in there. Uh, this is Iowa. Again, I take Iowa, Iowa of all the early states. I take these polls with a grain of salt. Uh, there is a, I think, significant Bernie vote that is not showing up in these polls. Uh, you have in the Real Clear Politics average of polls, Buttigieg 23.5, Warren 17.8. Sanders 17.0, Biden 17.0. So basically, essentially Warren, Sanders, Biden tied at in second. Or yeah, tied for second at 17. I mean, Warren's at 17.8, Sanders 17.0, Biden 17.0. Buttigieg at 23.5. I don't believe uh, Buttigieg is at 23.5 in an average of the polls. Uh, but Bernie's right there in Iowa. Then you have uh, New Hampshire. Uh, average of polls, Warren, 20.7, Biden, 19, Buttigieg, 18.7. They have Bernie at 14.3. I kind of find it hard to believe that uh, Bernie's at 14.3. Again, a lot of these New Hampshire polls that Real Clear Politics is averaging is essentially 250 to 300 people and mostly people over the age of 50. But I would say it's closer to Bernie at 1718 in New Hampshire. You have Nevada. Uh, again, grain of salt, 29.0 for Biden. Warren at 20. Biden, uh, Sanders, 19.8. Buttigieg, 7.3. And California, Biden, 25.3. Warren, 23.0. Sanders, 19.3. So why I list the average of the polls is I truly believe that it's essentially right now a toss-up in most of these states. I think in Iowa right now, if the Iowa caucus was held today, I do not believe whoever became the winner would win by more than two points. I think it's going to be that close in Iowa. New Hampshire, if it were held today, I have a hard time believing whoever wins would win by more than two to three points. South Carolina, I, I think Joe Biden will win South Carolina. I mean, it is what it is, older black People support Joe Biden. Uh, I think if Joe Biden loses Iowa and New Hampshire, that support might go down. I still think he would win South Carolina, barring a complete meltdown. But I think Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and California are essentially toss-ups right now. I really do. And I think that because of that, MSNBC is going out of its way to throw anything, anything at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, they obviously in the last debate, you had them essentially, as I reported this week, covering for Warren. They pretended that she didn't just moonwalk away from Medicare for all. They didn't even bring it up. Buttigieg, they didn't lay a glove on, on Buttigieg. Um, I think that Bernie, they didn't call on that much. Uh, and when they did call on Bernie, it was for questions that didn't really make sense. Andrew Yang, who isn't my cup of tea, they clearly... I mean, I think it took them a half hour to call on Andrew Yang. I also think, I mean, when you look at reality, they were calling on Amy Klobuchar, Tom Steyer, um, Booker, who are all polling lower than Andrew Yang, way more than him. 
So MSNBC essentially, uh, through Maddow and the other uh, moderators, are trying to basically resuscitate or, or give some type of um, life, you know, whatever that machine is, to, to save some of these struggling campaigns. Um, and now, in again, any way possible, any way possible to defeat Bernie Sanders, uh, obviously they want it, it's been a campaign against Tulsi Gabbard. Now uh, they're enlisting uh, Joy Reid, you know, Joy Reid, who, you know, it's just because it's MSNBC. She lied one year ago. She said her blog was hacked or something like that. And she didn't write those homophobic, uh, nasty things. Uh, now they're enlisting Joy Reid to, and Rachel Maddow is next, to resuscitate, to resuscitate Russiagate. MSDNC, as you could tell by the shirt, what are they going to do? Bernie, his crowds, as you see, are through the roof. Bernie, I mean, he's, he's going up in the national polls. He's been going up in Iowa polls. A new Emerson poll this week had him tied with Joe Biden in the lead. Uh, that Emerson poll also had Bernie Sanders as the only candidate head-to-head defeating Donald Trump. Uh, slim margin by two, I believe it was. But Joe Biden was losing to Donald Trump. Elizabeth Warren was losing to Donald Trump. So what are they going to do? Joy Reid. Let's take a look at Joy Reid and her alternate reality uh, that aired yesterday on MSDNC. Right now, Russia's security services and their proxies have geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. We're running out of time to stop them. Witnesses at this week's impeachment hearing sounded the alarm about the threat of Russian interference in the 2020 election. And new data from the Foreign Policy Research Institute shows that Russia has already chosen its favorite and least favorite Democratic candidates. After analyzing more than 1,700 stories from Russian state media outlets, researchers found that Tulsi Gabbard, not so surprisingly, received the most favorable mentions among the 2020 field. And joining me now is Clint Watts, former FBI agent and research fellow, and he's the research fellow responsible for the report. So, Clint, we were just talking a little bit about it in the break. So, Tulsi is getting the most positive focus. Yeah, out of all the mentions that we've looked at, uh, she doesn't receive an overwhelming amount, but what she does is far more positive than we, what we've seen of the other candidates. And what are the mentions like? Like, what, talking about her in what way? Uh, mostly in terms of her rhetoric that she says about the U.S. government, its war stance, that it is aggressive or imperialist. That's yeah. sort of the nature of it. That uh, the U.S. should stay out of places like Syria, which matches what Russia wants. That Russia yeah. does not want the U.S. in Syria anymore. And that really we should withdraw from the world, which is a message that... Russia wants Americans saying to Americans, so it's a great opportunity for them. Yeah, she uses the term regime change wars a lot, yeah. which is a, a common term, I, in my understanding, of the way that Russia talks about the right. United States. I, I, if you listen to that rhetoric, you would think that the U.S. started a war in Syria, which right. did not happen. That was part of the Arab Spring. If you remember, if we yeah. rewind all of this, that war has been going on for so long now that that was part of the Tunisian, Libyan, Egyptian, Syria, Yemen. There are many uprisings that happened during that time. Yeah. The U.S. didn't start those. So now let's talk about the person who gets the most negative mentions, and that is Joe Biden. Yes. And, and give me the nature of that. So there's two things to look at with that chart that you put up there. The first thing is just the total number of mentions. So Biden is five or six times more than like a Gabbard or most of the rest of the field. Right. And those are much more negative. So I always tell people when they look at that chart, most of what RT or Sputnik does is very much like U.S. news, right? Yeah. About 70% is going to be neutral. Mm -hmm. So I look to see, okay, when do they move off that neutral 70% and change? When do the percentages start to change? And that's what sticks out with Biden. Overwhelmingly negative, lots of content about Biden, even when he wasn't really doing that well. And I would probably tell you, proportionally to what you'd see in U.S. news, they talk about him more. The Russians don't waste time in their overt news talking about candidates they don't care about. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to me as Elizabeth Warren. They hardly mention her for months, and only in the recent past couple months have they yeah. started to talk about her. And surprisingly, it's been more negative than I would have expected it to well, be. Well, because if, if she were to defeat Donald Trump, that would defeat their interest, right? Their interest is that's Donald right. Trump being and president. That's where there's been some weirdness when you you watch her over media, because they speak of her as if sometimes she's like part of a Hillary Clinton, right? And you go, well... If you're in the United States, it doesn't yeah. quite make sense. Yeah. And, and you'll see that pop up sometimes even in the social media feed. If, if, if that wasn't enough for you, that was only part one. I got one more part to play. But I wanted to address this part. So 
what's so interesting to me about this is basically what MSNBC is doing is trying to create a narrative that's different from what's actually happening in the country right now. I'm not saying that Russia has no interest in our election. I'm not saying that Russia doesn't push propaganda online, on on Facebook, on on YouTube, on wherever. Uh, I'm not saying that Russia um, isn't going to try and quote-unquote sow discord in uh, the 2020 election. No, not dissimilar than the United States does in other countries. What, but what MSNBC is trying to do is they're trying to take that reality that Russia, a foreign country, who, by the way, we have built up the war machine against Russia since the Cold War and have basically tried to reignite the Cold War in recent years. They're trying to make it seem that Russia trying to influence the election, keep Trump, is the deciding factor in whether like a Bernie Sanders rises or a Joe Biden loses. Because that's a much easier narrative. It's a much easier narrative than the narrative that is clear and obvious, like what Michael Moore said on MSNBC this week. I wanted to play this clip with Michael Moore and kind of juxtapose what Michael Moore is saying on MSNBC, which, by the way, as soon as he was saying it, they tried to cut him off, with the narrative coming from the Joy Reads, And I'm sure Rachel Maddow is going to jump on the bandwagon, too very soon that, oh, Russia is trying to prop up Tulsi, trying to prop up Bernie, really trying to knock down Biden. And that's what we really need to be afraid of. It's not like on their own, Tulsi has support. It's not like on their own, Bernie has a giant movement. It's not like on their own, the pretty much near majority of the country is just sick of the status quo. So I want to play you uh, some of this clip from Michael Moore, because I think this is what MSNBC is trying to essentially counter program. Let's take a look. And if we keep if we keep supporting like I was listening earlier and I was listening to I have so much respect for Senator McCaskill here. And uh, um, and everyone cried when you were not returned uh, last year. Well, my we, husband's a Michigander, so we're oh, fine. We, we think you're pretty cool, too. OK, well, that's <laughs> then that's even better. <laughs> but but <clears throat> I really I want to I want to redefine in the way that last time I was here. We talk about the working class, and I yeah. said the majority of the working class actually are women, uh, uh, people of color, and young people are paid the, la- the least. So when we say working class, it's always, we're always evoking this image of Lunch Bucket Joe from Macomb County. The actual working class of 2019 is a 30-year-old black woman. That's really the working class. And when you say working class, I want everybody to always think now that's a 30-year-old black woman, because that is what the working class is. Just in the same way, I think that we have to, when you guys were talking about how we have to be more moderate or move to the center, that's how we're going to win uh, next year. See, to me, I think moving to the center, I am the center. I, I am the mainstream now of the Democratic Party. The majority of Americans agree with me and Bernie on all the issues, whether it's, whether it's uh, health care for all, whether it's climate change, um, minimum wage, mass incarceration, but down the whole list. The, the, the American people have moved left. So the center is, is now more of these sorts of things. This is what we believe. So when you say that, like, for instance, with um, uh, Joe Biden said tonight, 160 million Americans want to keep their, their private insurance. Says who? Are you actually talking to people about this? They, yes, they want the assurance that whatever we have with the new Medicare for all is essentially just a transfer from what they have with their good union health care. It's going to be that. But it's going to be better for you. You're not going to have co-pays and deductibles. Fine. But what the average Democrat and the average American does not like the health insurance company. They hate Aetna and Cigna and United Healthcare. These are people that they're fighting with to get them to pay a bill that they won't pay. The healthcare industry has caused more pain and harm and anxiety for the American people than practically any other industry. And, and we should never side with candidates that are going to say, we're going we're gonna to keep this private profit-making thing going. That's not where the American people are at. They are fed up with this. And I'll tell you, I got an earful of it back home in Flint last month when General Motors was on strike. Yep. What did the CEO of GM do 
on the third day of the strike. She took away their health care. She shut it down. They couldn't believe it. Nobody, my, I come from a GM family. We've, we, I mean, GM, your health care, UAW employee, sure. it's everything. Medical, dental, eye care. You even get a free lawyer if you need one. <laughs> it's like, it's the best. And on the third day, they saw the thing that they thought they'd have forever could be taken away by the company like that. And that's what people need to know, that we can never allow our health insurance to be in the hands of a private profit-making company where they can end you tomorrow. The great Michael Moore on MSNBC. By the way, Michael, if you're watching, feel free to return our calls on Flint. Just saying. Love you anyway, but, you know, throw us a bone here, Michael. Throw us a bone. Why I wanted to play that is, first of all, all due respect, Michael, I don't know many people that were shedding a tear that Claire McCaskill lost in the Senate. And this is the point. Why is why does MSNBC and CNN parade on air loser after loser after loser who lost in the Senate? Claire McCaskill lost in the Senate running as the centrist moderate. And she lost. So why do we, the American people, why do you, the viewer, need to keep being lectured by very wealthy Losers, and I don't say losers like, oh, what a loser. I mean people who lose elections over and over again. Why do we need to be told what the candidate needs to do to win? Why don't we go and ask people who actually want something what candidates need to do? I don't want to hear from Claire McCaskill what the Democratic nominee has to do. Because, by the way, this is who Elizabeth Warren is listening to, the Claire McCaskills of the world. And that's why she is, as I pick my nose, that's why she is sprinting as far to the center as possible. So I don't care what Claire McCaskill has to say. I care what the people on the ground listening and speaking with the people like Michael Moore care and hear. So... I'm surprised, credit to MSNBC for allowing him to speak that long and allowing him to speak that truth. Because that is the truth. Michael Moore and us, we are the center. We are where the American people are. Claire McCaskill, Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow, Chris Matthews, who I got some clips from him, they are the right wing now. They are the right wing. So... What's amazing to me is instead of actually, if MSNBC was smart, if MSNBC actually wanted more viewers, they would actually, what what was their slogan many years ago? Lean forward. They would embrace the big progressive explosion going on around the country. They'd have Bernie supporters on. Sure, you want to have Warren supporters on, fine. They would have union workers. They would have people striking on. They would have poor people. They would have uh, women on, uh, people of color, um, you know, wh- whether it be auto workers, even, even coal workers, workers on, because that's where the energy is. But what MSNBC is doing is essentially trying to erase reality, which is not what a news channel, news networks are supposed to show the audience what is reality, what is happening on the ground. And they're doing that through Now they're trying to reignite the Russian boogeyman. Again, whether Russia is trying to influence the election, which they probably are, that's not the point. What MSNBC is trying to do, they're trying to make it seem like the reason that Tulsi Gabbard has support is because of Russia. Like somehow it's inflated because of Russia. When anyone who knows, I mean, I've criticized Tulsi Gabbard. She's not my number one candidate. There's some things that I find troubling with her. However... Nobody could argue that she has a huge base of support having nothing to do with Russia. Nobody could argue that Bernie Sanders, dating back to 2016, even before that, has a massive movement behind him, more than any other candidate. But what MSNBC is trying to do now is essentially put out propaganda that, oh no, it's Russia again, that's why Joe Biden isn't catching on, that's why Joe Biden is shrinking in the polls. And all you got to do is look at the next part of that Joy Reid interview. So just to put you back in your FBI hat again, if you think about 2016, you think about now, 
from from my outside looking in you know perspective, it appears that the Tulsi Gabbard Joe Biden sort of dichotomy sure. sounds very similar to the either Bernie Sanders or Jill Stein versus Hillary Clinton dichotomy. It feels like the Russians are running the same game, only now, now Biden is Hillary and Tulsi Gabbard is Jill Stein slash Sanders. Right, so it's slightly different in 2020 only because President Trump is the incumbent this time. So right. for them, it's secure the base, split the opposition, just like a political campaign. And so from Putin's perspective, sure, he would love to see Trump in there. And to get that outcome, well, you go against the biggest challengers, you know, to Trump, and you try and prop up people that are divisive or splitting the opposition on right. the Democratic side. So this would be populist candidates on, on the political left. With that, though, interestingly, one of our next posts will be about President Trump and how they talk about him. And so the theory that kind of is repeated in the press, which isn't always true, is that, yeah, they are pro-candidate Trump, mm -hmm. but they're not always pro-President Trump. They mock Trump. him. They mock him. Yeah. So it's interesting to watch in their media. On the same day, they'll say, well, you know, President Trump is kind of the greatest candidate ever, but we don't like what he's doing in Syria or Ukraine. Yeah. It's not as straightforward as people might think. Yeah, I don't think it's respect for Trump that's driving Russia. I think it's, it's he's useful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the Kamala Harris as well, yeah. because one of the key ways that Russia attacked the last election was by trying to induce progressive, younger African-American voters to not vote, to stand down on Donald Trump. There seems to be a really um, a concerted effort to paint Harris as a villain to African-Americans. Is that still happening? Yeah, so what's interesting from Russia's perspective, I think they're more concerned with Harris as a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is a part of the Russia investigation, right? right? And that's where her name will pop up, even in the past if you go into their media. But more interesting is really how they will always continue to play on race, ethnicity, religion, socioeconomic status as a driver, as a wedge. And so what you look at with the sort of populist bent, whether it was 2016 or 2020, they're going to try and help drive those wedges. The difference in 2020, both politically and socially, is that they, the Russians really don't have to create anything at this point. Americans are doing all the work for them. They're not creating any of these wedges at this point. Yep. What I can say, having watched this two different times, is what could Russia do to America that America isn't doing to itself? And they mostly just repurpose our content now yep. and send it back to and us. And just send it right back to us. Uh, Clint Watts, um, great to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't with these people. So what was funny to me was Joy Reid said, you know, it's almost like... Um, Joe Biden is Hillary. So, like, in terms of the Russians, it's just moving chess pieces. So, the Russian game that they're playing. It was Hillary in 2016. Now it's Joe Biden replacing Hillary. And it was Bernie and Jill Stein in 2016. And now Russia's game, they're, they're making it Tulsi. Uh, replace Russia with the Democratic Party. Because it's not Russia inserting these pieces and making and pushing a game of the same old same old figures the democratic party in their infinite wisdom and corruption have replaced hillary clinton with joe biden thinking that's going to be the winner and the democratic party is replacing their propaganda against joe um bernie sanders and jill stein with tulsi gabbard in MSNBC's world, it's Russia is like, has this almighty power to, they're propping up Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard and bringing down Joe Biden. It's comical at this point. I would argue, again, I'm not saying Russia isn't trying things. I'm not saying it's a good thing when foreign countries push fake Facebook pages and, and propaganda, we do it also. So let's stop the nonsense that we are so democratic and sanctimonious, you know, and holier than now, we do this in country after country, digital media interference, the Pentagon is doing propaganda on Twitter, on you. The, the, the Pentagon, if you've read about this in, in previous months, has, has been putting out propaganda through social media. So we're supposed to believe from Joy Reid that the reason Tulsi is excelling, the reason she's been in four out of five debates, uh, the reason she has all this support, is qualifying in the polls, is qualifying via donations, uh, is because 
The Russians are at it again. Thank you, Osama Kassem, $20 in the super chat. So the U.S. who armed rebels, Timber Sycamore, never had the authorization to be in Syria and are occupying their oil fields somehow is a Russian plot. Harris is bad because of her bad policies. McCarthy 2.0 is alive and well. I got to agree. I agree. And, and by the way, by the way, you know, the, she added in at the end of that that, oh, like Russia had this very strong influence uh, in keeping African-Americans, younger African-Americans from voting. It had nothing to do with that Hillary Clinton called black people super predators, maybe. Had nothing to do with Hillary Clinton's husband created mass incarceration in this country by signing the crime bill. Granted, Hillary Clinton wasn't a politician. It's not her fault what her husband did, but she supported it as first lady, the crime bill. That had nothing to do with young black people not voting for Hillary Clinton and staying home. It was Russia. By the way, how I know this is ridiculous is they were saying that Russia influenced people to go to Standing Rock. As somebody who was at Standing Rock, uh, freezing my ass off for six months on and off, I promise you, Russia had nothing to do with the, at at one point, 15,000 people were in Cannonball, North Dakota. It's just embarrassing. And you know what? Honestly, if you want to talk about what actually is affecting our democracy, if you want to talk about what actually sways elections, I got news for you folks. What MSNBC and CNN are doing has way more impact in terms of brainwashing people and how they vote than fake pages on Facebook, um, you know, whatever ads Russia puts on Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever. MSNBC is a 24-7 super PAC for the corporate Democratic establishment. I've never seen anything like it. When I worked at MSNBC, it wasn't even as bad as this. It has really kicked up in the last few years in this new McCarthyism that MSNBC is putting out there. And it's scary, and it's literally what is keeping old people in fear and blind. No offense, because obviously there's a lot of older viewers who watch Status Quo and are Big Big Bernie people. Uh, Speaking of Bernie, uh, Big Bernie people, hold on, uh, can smell Warren's fraudulence a mile away. Hold on. There we go. Um, (laughs) Now we have both. Now we have both. So we got, uh, I guess, wait a minute. Which one's on the left? We want to make sure Bernie is on the right side here. So we want Bernie on the left. Is Bernie on the left or is Warren on the left on screen? Oh, no. We want, we want, we want. Here we go. That's better. So obviously they, MSNBC is having more impact in keeping older voters essentially blind to what's right in front of them. The country has moved left. The Michael Moores of the world and us are the center now. And those older voters and what they're being fed on MSNBC is essentially right-wing propaganda. It's not quite Tea Party racist propaganda, but it's certainly corporate-sponsored propaganda, uh, what MSNBC is feeding their viewers. And a lot of people are buying it, and that's why progressives aren't winning. That's why progressives overall are winning because the older voters are being brainwashed by companies like MSNBC. It's got to stop. So in addition to the propaganda coming out from Joy Reid, MSNBC, again, I'm not like a huge Andrew Yang fan, but you got to respect he does have a very big uh, supporter base behind him. He has raised a lot of small dollar donations from those supporters. Uh, He is out polling. Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, uh, Julian Castro, a lot of those people on that, Tom Steyer, most of the people on that debate stage, Andrew Yang has been out polling and MSNBC barely called on him during the last debate. On air, they have put polls up repeatedly showing, uh, not putting Andrew Yang on screen, even though Andrew Yang is polling higher at than many of the people MSNBC is showing on screen. That is You want to talk about Russian disinformation? That is disinformation. I saw a poll where MSNBC put up. They had all the people polling high. And then towards the bottom, they had better work at 1%. They just skipped Andrew Yang. So Andrew Yang, who 
credit to him, usually a positive guy, uh, just refused to go on. He refused to go on MSNBC this weekend. Let's take a look. You are with us tonight, but I'd be remiss if I did not mention you were also invited on MSNBC this weekend. And you turned down that invitation and instead took to Twitter to slam the network, a decision that could be seen as risky during a Democratic primary. Uh, we're showing one of those tweets here, which reads in part, was asked to appear on MSNBC this weekend and told them that I'd be happy to after they apologize on air. What exactly do you want an apology for? Well, Anna, Americans tuned in to the debate earlier this week, and they saw that I got called on less than any other candidate, including candidates that I'm polling higher than. And the questions I did get had virtually nothing to do with the core ideas of my campaign. And if this were an isolated incident, that would be one thing. But if you go back over the last number of months, MSNBC has literally omitted me from over a dozen fundraising and polling graphics, which... It's not about me. It's about the 300,000 plus Americans who've donated to and support my campaign and the millions of Americans who know we need to rewrite the rules of the 21st century economy to work for us. Think about those people donating $10, $20 of their hard-earned money to put a candidate on the stage and then have MSNBC virtually ignore me for 32 minutes or when they tune into MSNBC to see how we're doing in the polls, it's like I don't exist. And you can go through the records, you can see they've done it to me over and over again. And I'm not the kind of guy who takes offense easily, but at this point you have to call it like you see it. Clearly, even Andrew Yang is fed up with this propaganda. And I don't blame him. By the way, Andrew Yang, I mean, you're on CNN. They haven't exactly been so kind to you either, but I digress. I mean, essentially, MSNBC has become a super PAC for the democratic establishment. And when they say become, obviously they they are are pro corporate democratic establishment. Look at who they have on screen constantly. But it's different. There's a difference between constantly parading corporate democratic establishment people on on screen and as a network actively pushing a narrative and a propaganda almost like you're a political operation. Uh, I'm not trying to do a false equivocation and say MSNBC is the same as Fox News. Obviously, Fox News is a racist, terrible enterprise. But it's not so much different in terms of the propaganda they're putting out right now. And it's dangerous for democracy. And this is what sows division. This is what is creating uh, a brainwashing of people in this country. They're doing the Russiagate stuff. They're suppressing Bernie. They're, they're painting Tulsi as a Russian asset they've done. Uh, they are obviously uh, going after Bernie. And then you have Chris Matthews. Oh, Chris Matthews. I mean, where do you start with this idiot? And there's no other way to put it. I'm sorry if I'm being crass, but he's truly an idiot. An intentionally out-of-touch idiot. And what's funny about Chris Matthews is MSNBC has branded Chris Matthews as like understanding the average voter in Pennsylvania and, you know, one with the worker bee. Yet Chris Matthews thinks it's a little too, it's just too strong. I think the Democrats always miss the, the cultural piece. They, they see me right on the economics, but they miss the cultural piece. The, the, and how you, people feel about things. The Democrats are very cold about those things. And I think they really miss a chance to win by simply identifying with the feelings of the country better than they do. And that's the only thought I have tonight. And I caught it again tonight with Bernie Sanders saying, the country's corrupt, our system's corrupt. Be careful about that language, Bernie. You know, be careful that our system of politics is corrupt. That's too strong. I'm sorry, it has corrupt aspects. But to say our democracy is corrupt is a bad starting point with a lot of people's hearts about this country. That's what I think. Oh, God. Be careful, Bernie. Our sponsors are listening. Be careful. That's too strong. Bank of America is not going to like that language on this network, Bernie. ExxonMobil is not going to like that language. American Petroleum Institute is not going to like that language. Pfizer is not going to like that language. Raytheon is not going to like that language. Bob Woodward does not like that language, Bernie. 
this is very, very offensive to the image that our voters and our viewers have of the country. Be careful, Bernie. And that was followed up by this doozy. Bloomberg has already begun an apology tour by saying he's not for a stop and frisk anymore, which is a big part of his New York mayor's experience and his record for better or worse. So he's making adjustments. The fact that Elizabeth Warren is pulling back on Medicare for all immediately is all more of a long term transition. She's adjusting. They're all adjusting to the Democratic Party as it is right now. And the Democratic Party right now, I believe, is an anti-Trump party. I can tell from our ratings, people would much rather write watch the, the, the decline and fall of uh, Donald Trump than watch the battle among these people. They're just more interested in watching Trump go down. They like these hearings. They like what they're learning about this president. They don't like. They like the evidence piling up against them much more than they like following the horse race, which tells me they really, really have one passion going into next year's election beat Trump. I think that's driving everything. I think it's driving the Buttigieg surge right now. But that's a February surge. It's not a November surge. Are they really making a decision about Buttigieg or are they looking for a parking place to slow this thing down? I think they're slowing the whole process down. They want a winner. That's what they want. They want. They don't want a chance in the world of losing to Trump again. I think that's the ideology of the Democratic Party. Center left, yes, but you must beat Trump. I'm going to remove Bernie for a minute. Hope you're not offended. Let's focus on Elizabeth Warren. Sorry if most of her is uh, cut off. It's either cut off my head or eh, we'll just pick her up. So Chris Matthews, Chris Matthews, here we go. Chris Matthews, this guy is paid, by the way. I can't confirm this, but I believe around five or six million dollars a year. So you would think he kind of understands politics a little bit. So Chris Matthews is saying that uh, Michael Bloomberg, who, by the way, just formally announced he's running today. So get your Michael Bloomberg gear ready to go. Uh, Chris Matthews is saying, you know, Michael Bloomberg is understanding where the Democratic Party is. He's adjusting. He's adjusting. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she's looking at where the Democratic Party is. She's adjusting, adjusting, meanwhile, meaning moonwalking away from Medicare for all. Interesting. So Chris Matthews is saying that Elizabeth Warren is adjusting because she's recognizing that the Democratic Party is not where that Bernie Sanders is. She's realizing that the Democratic Party is closer to where Chris Matthews and MSNBC is, so that's why she's adjusting. Then why Chris Matthews, and of course, nobody is on MSNBC to challenge this stupidity, why is it that since Elizabeth Warren has quote-unquote adjusted, meaning moved to the right, why is it that since she's adjusted and moonwalked away from Medicare for All, which your network covered up during the debate, they didn't ask her when they asked her about Medicare for All, they didn't say, hey, are you still for Medicare for All since you're basically proposing a public option and you're going to quote unquote then try to pass Medicare for All in year three? I agree, Christopher. Let's call him softball. Why is it that as... Uh, Elizabeth Warren is, quote, adjusting her poll numbers are going down because she, according to Rear Clear Politics, was in second place on the average of polls before she started moonwalking away from Medicare for all. Since she has moonwalked away from Medicare for all, her polling has gone down both nationally and in Iowa and New Hampshire. So Chris Matthews, in his infinite wisdom, Chris Matthews, in his infinite wisdom, is saying almost like, oh, they're getting it. These candidates are getting it. They have to adjust and move to where the Democratic Party is. If that's the case, why are the numbers shrinking when they move, not where the Democratic Party is, let's call it what it is, when they move to the right? They are moving to the right. It's unbelievable. In addition to being wrong that Elizabeth Warren, like, quote-unquote, adjusting is, is smart, because clearly it's not. She's declining in the polls based on her adjusting. Uh, Chris Matthews, I mean, honestly, I don't care if I get demonetized. What a f***ing moron. He is essentially saying that for the Democratic candidate to win, the Democratic candidate, it's not about the policies. It's just about who is anti-Trump enough, who is the most anti-Trump, and who presents themselves as the best bet to defeat Donald Trump. 
And Chris Matthews is gleaning that. Chris Matthews is gleaning that that is who's going to win the nomination based on because MSNBC is seeing a ratings increase for the hearings against Donald Trump. By the way, Donald Trump is corrupt. I agree with him. Uh, The impeachment, I think Donald Trump should be impeached. I disagree with some of my friends uh, on the progressive left who say there's nothing to see here in these hearings. And and I just don't agree. I mean, it's very clear, you know, bribery and quid pro quo, it usually doesn't work with like the person saying, here is your bribe, here is your bribe, and spelling B-R-I-B-E. That's not how it works. I think there's like this semantic argument right now going on among people saying nothing to see here that Trump never actually said quid pro quo or, you know, this never said the words. That's not how bribes work. Uh, It's never articulated that it's a bribe. So I think Trump is corrupt. I think it's very important to beat him. But basically, Chris Matthews, from that wisdom he just shared on air, besides saying that Bernie is being too strong in calling the country corrupt, uh, usually people who are corrupt and are down with corruption don't like the term corruption being thrown around. Um, He's also saying that the way to beat Donald Trump is to run the same exact campaign that Hillary Clinton ran in 2016. Brilliant observation, Chris Matthews. So Hillary Clinton, I could tell you because I was there and I covered a lot of her rallies. I obviously covered a lot of Bernie rallies, a lot of Trump rallies. Hillary Clinton's campaign was essentially Trump is the Antichrist. Trump is a unique threat to the the country. We've never seen anything like him. And now is not the time... uh, for perfection in a Democratic candidate, we need to come together to stop Trump. That was the Democratic Party's campaign. That's pretty much what I heard at the DNC last year. And that's pretty much what Hillary Clinton's campaign was. It was a lot of vague, opaque messaging uh, about stronger together. Her economic message, as much as I could understand it, was essentially a continuation of Barack Obama. There was no like grand plan, like a Medicare for all, or a Green New Deal, or uh, anything that tangible uh, that was going to lift workers. Thank you, Andy P. Five bucks in the Super Chat. Corruption is the key unifying issue. So what Chris Matthews is saying, I could tell from our viewers that the real winning recipe to taking out Trump is picking a candidate that's the most anti-Trump. Picking a candidate that could just be Trump. So let's choose a candidate that's going to run the same campaign that Hillary Clinton went, ran. That's going to give us a different result. What I, what I, what I want to get across as we button up this topic, I think that in 2016, unfortunately, there was, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, anger and, and frustration on social media against MSNBC, CNN, but there wasn't really past social media anything. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean like, we should take that anger out physically or violence towards anybody. Of course not. We're not talking about violence in any means. We, we don't condone that. But honestly, to me, what at this point, what at this point would be the difference between organizing a protest uh, outside BlackRock's headquarters, which we just covered a couple of weeks ago, or organizing a protest outside, I don't know, Raytheon, or organizing a protest outside Bank of America or Goldman Sachs. You, the people that organize those protests do it because these are corporations that have unprecedented impacts in our lives from the economy and the income inequality to the planetary destruction to the murder that's going on in this country in the for-profit health insurance industry. I'm here to say, I think MSNBC has just as much influence as those those other corporations. I don't think they have as much influence, let's say, as BlackRock. I mean, MSNBC doesn't have the influence of a BlackRock in terms of destroying the planet. But MSNBC is... People need to protest. I'm talking nonviolence. And by the way, I'm not talking about protesting, get out there for Bernie. I'm not talking about a protest on behalf of Bernie Sanders. Uh, because I think that is the quickest way for it to be ignored and, and diminished. I'm talking about there needs to be protests of these media networks who are clearly, clearly working on behalf of establishment candidates. And by the way, 
I would have no problem at all. I've always said this about Fox News, by the way. I would have no problem at all if Fox News just came out and said, yeah, we're a conservative network. We believe in the Republican Party's ideals. Uh, we have a we have a Republican slant, but of course, but we want to invite anyone on. But this is what we are. That's what you're getting. Truth in advertising. That's it. I would also have no problem if MSNBC just came out and said, yeah, we support the Democratic establishment. We believe in, you know, moderate to pro-business um, policies. And that's what our content represents. But we welcome anybody on. But when networks like MSNBC and CNN present themselves as, as just neutral arbiters, this has much more impact in terms of disinformation, propaganda, and ultimately swaying elections. Elizabeth Warren, as I was just reporting, has been declining in the polls. Elizabeth Warren has been declining in the polls. And according to Chris Matthews, her moving away from Medicare for All, which she absolutely has done, uh, her, you know, what, what did he say? Um, making adjustments is what she needs to do. At the same time, Elizabeth Warren is, quote, making adjustments, meaning moonwalking away from Medicare for All, which I've been saying for months, I never thought she was that genuine about Medicare for All in the first place. Throughout her career, health care has never been a main issue she has pushed for. Uh, her main thing is financial regulations, going after the banks, those kinds of things. Now there's a narrative. Honestly, it seems, I don't want to say being pushed, but like being put out there even by some progressives that I like, that Elizabeth Warren is running uh, or try, or running a campaign uh, as a movement. She's running a movement. Uh, even people I like are now pushing this thing that Elizabeth Warren is running her campaign in the, the spirit or, of movements. In, this is from The Intercept. In three touchstone speeches... Elizabeth Warren grounds her campaign in a history of American protest and movement building. And this is from Ryan Grimm, who I generally like. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a problem with Ryan Grimm, but on this, I don't really get where there's evidence that Elizabeth Warren's campaign is a movement or that Elizabeth Warren really understands movement politics or that Elizabeth Warren, if elected, is going to try and take her electorate that elected her and carry it over as a movement the way Bernie Sanders is talking about. So I'm not going to read the piece, but this piece talks about how Elizabeth Warren in speeches has referenced uh, the women's rights movement and the labor movement and all these things. But Elizabeth Warren is not running her campaign as a movement. Um, Elizabeth Warren is running her campaign essentially as someone who's doing your general uh, triangulation. What I want to know is what is this BS narrative going out that Elizabeth Warren is running her campaign or in any way has connection to a movement? Elizabeth Warren was a has not been asked. She has not been asked one question about this. Elizabeth Warren was a corporate attorney for, I believe, 20 years. That's not exactly movement politics. Elizabeth Warren represented corporations trying to get them to have to pay less for asbestos contamination. Is that movement politics? Elizabeth Warren uh, has represented corporations in trying to get them off of paying uh, health care benefits to workers that were sick, that got sick on the job. Uh, I believe from coal was one of them. What exactly is, again, uh, Ryan Grimm, who I like, uh, I just don't understand why The Intercept or, or other progressives would be trying to make it seem like Elizabeth Warren is leveraging movements. She is not. Elizabeth, what Elizabeth Warren is doing, to be very clear, is triangulating. She is throwing bones to the Democratic Party establishment. We know about the New York Times story weeks ago that she's going around having hot tea with a who's who of the Democratic Party establishment. We know from, uh, I believe it was two or three months ago, that she's having private text messages and phone calls with Hillary Clinton. Uh, we know, I just reported it, that she's moonwalking away from Medicare for all. 
The only movement that I know Elizabeth Warren is embracing is sprinting to the center, i.e. moving to the right, which is why I think she's going to lose. And uh, Zaid Jelani of Current Affairs uh, put this really well on Twitter in a thread. It's interesting Elizabeth Warren's messaging to the media is that she's grounding her campaign in historic movements. When over the course of her life, she wasn't part of any social protest movements. The anti-war movement, the climate movement, the feminist movement, the civil rights movement, anti-apartheid, all came and went during the course of Warren's life, and she didn't take part in any of those social actions. In her book, Warren even sort of apologizes for claiming credit for Occupy Wall Street. Quote, I was deeply embarrassed. My words sounded so puffy and self-important. And they made it seem as if I were trying to try, I was trying to take credit for a protest I wasn't even part of. It may be a pivot to try and broaden the base of her voters. Her first strategy was to brand herself around plans, which appeals to a different spectrum of voters than branding yourself around social protests. But she doesn't have the background to claim that mantle. To put it into perspective, Barack Obama, John Kerry, and Bill Clinton were all involved in social protest movements at one point or another. And none of them are dying the wool hippies. I think Warren's campaign is just trying to rebrand itself a lot to broaden the base, which is what campaigns generally do. But this rebrand is weird, especially when a lifelong social activist, Bernie Sanders, is in the race. Can't just hope friendly bloggers force the frame. If I, if I was her, I'd double down on how she switched parties from Rep- Republican to Democrat due to her academic work on bankruptcy. Be authentic. Stop trying so hard to be the liberal uh, PMC candidate. I don't know what PMC stands for. That would make inroads. Right now, she's losing that war to Pete. One of the few things Trump and Sanders share is they just tell you what's on their mind and don't try to craft their personality around expectations. Warren's campaign at this point is trying way too hard in a number of dimensions coming across as inauthentic. I couldn't agree more. I don't want to be fair. I want to be fair for a second because we, we have to be fair. So, you know, Elizabeth Warren might have not been involved heavily in uh, the civil rights movement or the feminist movement or any of those things. Based on her age, she also was a, you know, she was a mother. Uh, she had children. She uh, worked, uh, wor- was, she was a working mother. So not everyone has all the time in the world to go protest and be involved when you're a working parent, right? So I want to be fair that we can't say just because she wasn't out on the front lines um, like a Bernie Sanders that that means she she didn't support those movements. But what I do know is Elizabeth Warren was voted for Ronald Reagan twice. (laughs) Um, She certainly wasn't out marching with the the labor movement when Ronald Reagan began the, the decimation of labor unions in this country. I believe Elizabeth Warren was a Republican until the 1990s. Right. So. I, I know exactly what Zaid is talking about, because Elizabeth Warren's campaign is the one pushing this narrative. Elizabeth Warren's campaign is the one pushing um, this narrative that she is a, a movement candidate, that she is running her campaign based on the movements of the past. And that's just not true. Elizabeth Warren's campaign treasurer is literally, his name is Paul Eagerman, and he is referenced in news reports as a personal Pac-Man because he is known for just flooding money into super PACs for corporate Democratic Party candidates. That's not exactly uh, running a movement with that as your uh, campaign treasurer. The New York Times, just, uh, excuse me, Politico just reported this week that Elizabeth Warren's campaign through Paul Eagerman, her treasurer, is flying out wealthy donors to her events. When the campaign was asked by Politico to comment on that, they did not have a comment. If you're not flying wealthy donors to your campaign events, you would think they'd say your information is wrong. So again, I'm a man. I'm not going to say Elizabeth Warren has not supported feminist movements. I'm not going to say she's you know, it's, that's not appropriate for me to say those things. Um, she deserves credit. Her work before she became a senator helped create the Consumer Financial uh, Protection Bureau. Uh, that is a huge accomplishment. You know, I don't 
support her as the nominee, but you got to be fair and, and give her credit where, where it is deserved. Um, you know, she, she has, uh, in the 1990s and 2000s, she fought against Joe Biden. She tried to fight against that bankruptcy bill. I think there's a lot of good about Elizabeth Warren uh, in the 1990s and the 2000s. Uh, and when she first ran for Senate in 2012, when she won, I think there's a lot of good there. Um, but as she has grown into politics, as she has grown as a senator, she has started moving more and more towards the establishment of the party. So I just respectfully disagree with Ryan Grimm, uh, who I like, nothing against him. Um, I just disagree here that Elizabeth Warren should be credited for like running her campaign in the shadows and in the spirit of the, the labor movements and the feminist movements. You could stand, you could have a rally wherever the hell you want. I know in New York, she had a rally near uh, a, a legendary workers' strike, but that doesn't mean on the day-to-day of your campaign, you're actually living what you're saying. To me, kind of, you know, I don't mind, and, and I think Elizabeth Warren, listen, we got to be fair. We can't just be negative Nancys on candidates we don't like, but let's not put out false narratives about Elizabeth Warren. If Elizabeth Warren comes out tomorrow and she says, dang it, I'm not taking corporate money in the general election. Dang it, I'm not raising one cent from corporate donors for the Democratic National Committee. No, no, no. They're on their own. Then I will be the first one to credit Elizabeth Warren. She's not my candidate. I don't want her to become the nominee. But at this point, the saying, when there's enough smoke, there's fire, there is so much smoke when it comes to Elizabeth Warren. She is not, she is not Bernard Sanders. Mayor Pete is really experiencing the benefit of corporate propaganda that is essentially free PR. They're not even paying for these puff pieces they're getting. Uh, and honestly, in a normal healthy democracy, um, Mayor Pete probably would have had to drop out after a month because he would get no traction. He's not qualified to be president. I don't even think he's qualified to be governor of Indiana. Uh, He's done nothing as South Bend, Indiana mayor, but journalists don't want to point that out. And now uh, after a debate performance where he wasn't asked one challenging question, uh, the media just propped him up like they've been doing. Uh, we remember, you know, was, what was it, Vanity Fair who did the puff piece on Better O'Rourke when he launched his campaign? I was born to do this with their little advertisement for Beto. Now we have, uh, you know, the New York Times uh, doing puff pieces with Mayor Pete. You know, oh, the Indiana ma- mayor talks about his lifelong political ambitions were complicated by the secret he kept for decades. I don't want to be insensitive, folks. I don't want to make it seem like it's, you know, just nothing that people to judge is the first serious gay candidate for president. I think that's a great thing. But don't you find it odd that essentially this is the only thing the media seems to focus on with people to judge? The fact that he's gay. The fact that, you know, it was a brave thing for him to come out as gay. If this is the, the main thing that all of these puff pieces about Pete Buttigieg are based on, it's getting to a point now where you're just doing public relations. Yes, he's gay. Yes, brave that he's a gay man. He experiences hate. Sure. Is that a qualification or a calling card to be president? Is that the only thing these outlets should be focusing on? I mean, the New York Times is writing puff pieces for him. The, the Associated Press is writing puff pieces for a serious-minded candidate. A serious-minded kid, Pete Buttigieg, aimed high early. Oh, what a cute little photo the campaign sent them. Oh, my God. Gorgeous. It was a running joke in his AP U.S. history class. The smartest kid in the class, language whiz and devotee of, de- devotee of John F. Kennedy, 
use his usual last name in his eventual run for president of the United States, or would he have a better shot of winning with voters of the future if he went by Montgomery, his middle name? Oh, my Lord. This is why the Associated Press has won so many Pulitzer Prizes. I mean, and by the way, just, just, just so you know, if John F. Kennedy was his uh, role model, John F. Kennedy called for universal health care before he was killed. You know, if anyone cares about facts, JFK called for universal health care. But, you know, we don't need to get into the details or anything. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. The, the, the sheer propaganda going on for Pete Buttigieg. And it's all part of the same exact nexus that I've been reporting on today. From MSNBC relitigating Russiagate to Chris Matthews, Bernie, be careful calling the country corrupt. To, shockingly, progressive outlets kind of like trying to throw Elizabeth Warren some cred as a movement politician that facts don't back up. Um... There's zero questions, by the way, to Pete Buttigieg on the fact that he was a, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, McKinsey candidate, a McKinsey consultant for years. Pete says he cannot talk about it because of his non-disclosure, but he wants to talk about it. He just can't talk about it, his, his time as a McKinsey consultant. And this is why I got, frankly, a little ticked off at... You, Bernie. I got pissed off at Bernie the other night. Some people didn't like my thoughts. But Bernie let Mayor Pee Wee Herman there uh, just say whatever he wanted. Didn't go after him on his ridiculous Medicare for all who want it plan, which is not a thing. You can't have Medicare for all who want it if you also have duplicative coverage. Bernie didn't go after Buttigieg. Bernie didn't go after Biden. Bernie barely said anything to Warren. Yes, he's rising in the polls, but Bernie needs to start picking off some Biden voters, moving them over to Bernie voters. Bernie needs to start picking off some Warren voters, moving them over to Bernie voters. I don't know if he's going to pick off uh, Buttigieg voters, but he definitely needs to knock Mayor Pete down a notch because Mayor Pete is essentially running under Obamaism throw out some grandiose, hoity-toity language. My generation, uh, you know, oh, this is how these people in Washington talk. You are of Washington. You don't need to physically be a member of Washington. You don't have to live there to just be another tall glass of nothing. He basically is in the political witness protection program. He's not being challenged at all during these debates. By the moderators, he's not being challenged. By the candidates, he's not being challenged. Kamala Harris had a great opening to challenge him and chose not to, frankly, because she has some of the same donors as Pete. And she knew if she would have smacked, punched him in the nose, her donors wouldn't like it. That's why she didn't go after him. And the media won't say that because they don't want to speak the truth. He's not getting challenged by the moderators. He's not getting challenged by the candidates. Puff pieces in the Associated Press about, oh my God, his biggest concern as a child was whether he's going to run for president as Buttigieg or his middle name Montgomery. Oh my God. Oh my God. That, those tough decisions one has to make as a child. Which last name to use when you run for president? Meanwhile, status quo has been doing the reporting the corporate media refuses to do on the fact that Mayor Pete, who wants to run the military, wants to run a country of 330 million people, has not ensured daytime shelter for the homeless in South Bend, Indiana, as winter is basically here. It is winter conditions in South Bend, Indiana already. If you live in the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. Daytime shelter for the homeless, not a thing. The library that was a shelter for the homeless in South Bend, Indiana, is under construction. The homeless are left without shelter. Nobody wants to cover that. Oh, what he actually did as a mayor? Don't bore me with that stuff, status quo. His horrible, horrible relationship and tensions with African Americans in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, don't bore me with that. 
the fact that his campaign to try and come up with a reason to justify or rationalize the fact that he is at 0% among black voters nationwide. 0%. They're saying he's at 0% because uh, older black people uh, don't like that he's a homosexual. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to well, heterosplain. You know, there's mansplaining and there's whitesplaining. I'm not going to heterosplain. But, yeah, of course. I mean, black people, there's, there's black people that are homophobic. There's white people that are homophobic. There are. But I don't think the fact that he's gay is why he's at 0% among black people. I think, for starters, who the f*** knows who Pete Buttigieg is in South Carolina? I could tell you in 2016, they didn't know. They didn't know who Bernie was down in South Carolina. So they're trying to push this stuff out to basically rationalize and make it less embarrassing that he's at 0%. This man is a complete empty vessel. I don't care if he's gay. I don't care if he's straight. I don't care if he doesn't know what he is. On politics, he is neoliberal. On politics, he's worse than neoliberal. He is whatever the hell he has to be to get elected. 2010, let me go speak to the Tea Party. Now, I'm, I'm the representative of the new generation. You talk to people in South Bend, Indiana. This man has been an absentee mayor basically since 2016 slash 2017 when he began trying to get out of being mayor of South Bend because remember, he ran for DNC chair in 2017. People said, I haven't seen him in South Bend in weeks. He pretends during the debate when Tulsi Gabbard goes after him, I never said I would send troops to Mexico. All you have to do is Google it. He absolutely did say that. 